Welcome to the Soul Influence Podcast. I'm Lawrence Gordon, known in certain circles as Morris, and I'll be joined by my partner, Jeff Rogers. We are on a mission to create, to provide our audience with love for their soul. Let's be curious, honest, and active together as we discuss and dissect not only the daily influencers, but influences, soul influence. Well, welcome everyone. I am Lawrence Gordon and Jeff Rogers joins me and we are the creators of Soul Influence. Today, we will be discussing high school basketball, uh, the innovation at the <clears throat> high school level when it comes to tournaments and camps and the state of youth sports. Uh, welcome to the podcast, founder of On The Radar Hoops, Sean Williams. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Thank you for having me on the show. Man, no problem, man. Well, you know, you are currently uh, running over 12 national tournaments over five elite camps um share with us where the idea of on the radar hoops came from and and what made you get into high school sports you know i know i was um just finishing well i was actually uh taking a, a i was trying to get my master's at georgia state and um i just got done playing college football um my best friend was actually trying to get into coaching um so you know i was always with him going around to different gyms, uh, looking at the kids. And it was, was kind of like, at the time, I felt like even when I was coming up, there was really nobody there to really give me any true advice or um, to really connect me with, with college coaches, right? Like there was nobody to, to kind of bridge that gap. So for me, you know, it was all about helping kids. Like I just really wanted to help kids, help them get some momentum and, and really help these kids in Georgia get on a national platform. What what what's most important now with this with the scouting service? Like, what are you concentrating on? I guess my first question: What are you? How are you packaging your service to the kids? And then, what have you seen kind of shift, maybe since five to seven years ago? That's more important now. Um, I think the, the obviously the big shift uh, social media, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's you know, like there's a ton of highlight tapes and a, a ton of mixtapes. So when you talk to coaches, you got to give them an honest opinion, right? Because I've never seen a bad highlight tape. Like, it's supposed to highlight what you do well. So I think now, opposed to eight years ago, it's tougher for for college coaches to really get a true evaluation on guys. Because if you look at everybody's highlight, they look amazing. So for me, when I go see a kid in person, and it's, it's nowhere near, you know, what these guys are seeing on the highlight, for me, you got to give – you got to be able to give coaches real information and be honest. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think personally in the past seven, eight years, that's the biggest shift because now you got Instagram popped up and, you know, Twitter's a bigger thing. There's a million guys on Twitter that said they are scouts, right? And they never leave the computer. They just wow. watch guys online. Yeah. I mean, at what, at what age do you, start evaluating kids when they say, Hey, I want to, Hey, this kid is trying to go to college to play basketball. What age do you start um, evaluating them? In my opinion, like what I've learned over the years is like, you see guys that are younger, right? Like in seventh and eighth grade who are just physically a lot bigger than everyone. Right. So you automatically assume, wow, man, this guy's going to be really, really good. Then when they get to ninth and 10th grade, everybody is caught up with them from a physical standpoint. So I think it's hard to evaluate, give guys like a true assessment before they get in high school. 
right? Because physically, guys, just their, their bodies haven't caught up. Um, so for me, as far as, like, projecting for college, I feel like you got to get guys a true evaluation, like, you know, ninth grade, varsity game, you know, then you go from there. What, I mean, that's, um, just, that's, that's my thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, take me through, like, how you prepare for going to a tournament or assessing the kids. I mean, what – since you – I mean, you're kind of battling those media services that are showing all the kids in perfection. Like, right. how do you – how do you approach kind of giving them the true – the true uh, evaluation of the kids? Mm, I mean, just from – you know, for me, like, if I go to an event, obviously, like, you, everybody knows the, the big-name guys, right? Mm-hmm. The four- and five-star kids. I don't have to sit there and watch them, you know, those guys over and over again. I want to see the guys who are maybe – people think, like, there may be two low-major dudes, dudes who are technically, you know, under the radar, right, per se. So, um, you know, for me, I mean, obviously, you know, like, I, I think a guy can go out and score 40 points. But, like – is it an efficient 40 points, right? I think people post a lot of stats online. Like, all you mm-hmm. see kids score 35, 25 points, but they don't tell you, well, they took 20 shots to get 25 points, right? right. Like, I don't think that's a good – that's not a good 25. So, um, just being able to see is the kid, is he efficient? Um, obviously, like, size is, is very important, uh, depending upon position. So when you see guys online or when they list guys, sometimes people list dudes two inches taller than what they really are. Um, so being able to get that information and go back to college coaches and be like, yo, look, kid ain't really that good. He hadn't played anybody. Yeah, maybe he's averaging 20 points, but he's not playing anyone, right? Um, and it's not efficient. He's taking a lot of shots and a lot of bad shots. Yeah, I, I mean, that's to... it. No, here, go ahead, Jeff. If I was to give you three – Three words to kind of describe what you're seeing, talent, style of play. How, how, what are you seeing from the game right now from, the, from all the kids that you're evaluating? How's basketball look to you? Um, to, be in that, to be honest, I mean, I always say this about kids in Georgia. We have a ton of athletes. It's a ton of athletes in Georgia, right? But it's not a ton of extremely skilled guys in my opinion. So I see a lot of athletes and it's, it's, it's kind of dependent upon, there's a couple different things that I think. And I think I saw this and maybe Morris, you saw this last week. Sometimes I think now these kids get so hyped up and everything's about the cameras rolling, right? Like yeah. they can't really lock in and go play if there aren't 10 cameras on the baseline. Like in this, I'm not saying it's all kids, but I've seen a couple kids, high profile kids that are like, <clears throat> they're not as, um, like they don't, they don't, they're not as engaged if the cameras aren't rolling. Yeah, it's like, why are you playing? Right. So I, I think that, you know, every, <clears throat> every year it gets worse because, um, you know, social media makes these guys superstars. You know, when you're 17 years old, 16, 17 years old, and you got 30,000 followers. Like these guys are are superstars, and they hadn't even you know they haven't made it. They haven't even they're not even in college. Right. Yeah. It's how to, it's it's my thing is how do you equate the likes, the the social media attention, into actual on the court productivity? And 
and and sometimes that can get skewed. It's it's almost you know when like right now when we're watching the playoffs, you see Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler is not the sexiest player in the world, right? Right. But he's he's a a grit guy. He's a guy that a lot of things just don't show up in the box score. Right. But when it's all said and done, he's he's changed the culture of the Miami Heat. Right. And and so when you look at that, like when you look at kids at the high school level and you're evaluating um, these players, what all goes in to that evaluation? Are you just looking for athleticism, size? Um, you know, are you trying to find that it? And, and what does that it look like for you? Man, I, I think every evaluation as far as like projecting kids is, is different based on position. Right, like <clears throat> for me, um, let's say if we're eva- if I'm evaluating a big, like for me, I, I want to see bigs run the floor. Like you might not be the most skilled, and that might be fine, but you know, for a six nine kid that's really aggressive, that's gonna rebound and try to challenge everything around the basket. Okay, like to me, you six nine athletic, you can run the floor, and you're changing and altering shots around the basket. Trust me you can go play in the Power Five Conference doing that. Like, you might not be extremely skilled, but there's room on somebody's team for a 6'9 guy, extremely athletic, that's going to block shots, have a post presence. Um, Then with guards, I think, too, with guards, it goes back to skill set, in my opinion. Got to be able to dribble, pass, and shoot. And I think, you know, sometimes I'll see a kid who's – he's averaging like 20 points. Right, but then I go watch him play, and it's every single thing is around the like around the rim. Like if you if you're five ten, you're a five ten guard, and you're slashing in the paint, and you're finishing around the rim. You're not gonna be able to finish around the rim around six nine and six eight guys in college. Like you got to be able to make a shot and make the defense really respect you, right? Um, so I think the evaluations are different just based on position. Like I'll take a skill guy any any day of the week, like a skill, like a really skill guard over like an athletic, you know, six foot guard. Give me a guy that can make shots and that can make people better, that's vocal, that really defends. Like, give me those guys, um, opposed to just a kid that's six foot, super athletic and getting downhill every time he gets the ball. That's a yeah. that's, that's a good point. It's a good point. Um, Heron, you're kind of self-made, good, you know, started the company. Um, and I think one thing that Morris and I have in common with this podcast is making sure that we acknowledge the people that, you know, have followed their dreams and created their passion and turned it into some type of business, but also are providing a great give back. And, you know, one thing I appreciate is just, we all know that 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 place, grassroots hoops needs needs good people around these kids all the time, right? Because a lot of times parents aren't there, you know, and there's a lot of people in their ear. So I appreciate you know someone like yourself being in that space. What what was the biggest fear of you taking this leap and starting your own company? The biggest fear. I don't know, like. At the time, I didn't. I didn't necessarily, you know, have a fear. Um, I, I think 
I remember when Morris, I had my first camp. And I think me and Morris <laughs> were talking about this, right? Yeah. It's so funny how things have changed because we were actually – I was like, yo, Morris, I need, like, I didn't have, you know, no money. I'm like, man, look, you can't charge me for the jam. I ain't got no money. Right. Like, right. I, like you know what I mean? Like, at least charge me on the back end. Right. So, you know, we were sending out, um, I was actually mailing out invites, right? right. And kids used to, used to mail back in their registration. Like, right. that seems like forever ago, but it really wasn't that long ago, right? right? But I think for me, I remember, like, probably, like, the first two kids I really started calling college coaches on was, like, Marcus Hunt and Brandon Green. So right. I, I somehow convinced Corey Williams, who uh, who was at Florida State, now he's a, he's the assistant at Arkansas. I was like, look, man, I used to, you know, I just used to pick up the phone every day and call dudes, like just call coaches. I was like, look, man, I got a kid, or I think, you know, like, <laughs> definitely really good. I got right. two kids you need to come see, um, Marcus Hunt and Brandon Green. And I think those guys turned out to be really good. But for me at the time, I think probably the, that was the biggest fear. Just, you know, you, you're starting to try to gain somebody's trust. And it's like you assume this kid is a high-level guy. Right. And then you take a coach to see him, and he might think differently. Um, but once, you know, those kids uh, caught on and, you know, those were the kids I was really pushing. Um, so then I started, you know, building relationships with some other dudes. But it's always kind of like you don't want to oversell kids, right? You want to be able to send them to the right level, and maybe you know you're gonna miss you're gonna miss on some. There's been plenty of kids I missed on. I didn't think was they were that good. So I think maybe you know that's the biggest fear. Then you know Twitter comes about right back in 2010. I jumped on Twitter, so being able to express your your opinion and how you feel, there's always fear of you know feedback, but you know uh, negative feedback, but. I think I had to be able to just stand on my opinion and go with it. Like, look, these guys are the best in the nation, right? And I think as their senior years approach, it was a, you know, obviously they were both top 50 guys. So for me, just just being able to, you know, give coaches honest feedback and build that trust, um, I think the biggest fear was just maybe being wrong. You know what I mean? Being wrong on guys. Yeah, and I mean that's always the tough thing when when you're when you're starting something, especially in grassroots basketball. You when we met, you know, we were probably in the second or third year in Southern Kings, so we kind of had an idea of what we had. So right. when you when you came in, we were like, Hey, you know, you can have our kids, like we know who they are. But right. when we started that program, we didn't know who they were. That's why we got the jump on the Atlanta Celtics, Georgia Stars, worldwide, right. because we were evaluating that seventh grade. And we just, you know, it's, I always say it's, it's crazy how hard work puts you where good luck will find you because we surely got lucky. Um, yeah. right. but, but being an innovator in one of the hottest cities in the country when it comes to youth basketball, um, you know, what are, what are some of the things that – because people will listen to this podcast and they they'll look at your blueprint of how you got started and there'll be a young scout that may want to get started in their own city. But to have success in Atlanta is like having success in New York city, LA. Right. Um, it, it's, it's hard um, because you have so many people competing um, in the same space. So what separated you, Sean, as you began to have some success from everyone else 
you know, I think the big thing for me, and I, I still to this day, I never wanted to um, really tie myself to a certain organization, right? Yeah. Like I always wanted to be right down the middle with, you know, Georgia Stars, the Celtics, Worldwide, all those guys. Like I never wanted to be like, hey, I'm associated with this this program opposed to that program. I never wanted to be like that, right? Um you know, I know when I first did camp with you back in the day, I assumed, like, people assume, ah, oh, man, you're a Southern Kings guy. And I'm talking about saying this. Look, Morris was really, I think it was it was you, and it was William Steele with the Georgia Stars. I'm like, those were the first guys to, you know, some of the first guys to really be like, cool, look, we're going we're gonna to help push. We're going to have these guys come to camp. But I think over time, you know, your actions have to show that, look, I'm here to help everybody. Right. Whatever I can no do to help you. Yeah, whatever I can do to help your organization to help you, then I think also from an event standpoint and just, you know, being a, a scout or a camp or whatever the case may be, I'm always going to do whatever I tell you I'm going to do. I want to make sure I do it, right? Like, I don't think none of these programs will say, man, you know what? He told me he's going to do A, B, C, and D, and he never did it. No, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm, I'm going to do it. So, you know, that's the thing. And people got to know, like, hey, look, I trust this dude, the straight up dude, um, you know, especially like running events. Some of those big things is obviously you, you got to say whatever you market and advertise, you got to be able to back that kind of stuff up. That's the only way people are going to be able to trust your product. So where there is in the live period, you know, a ton of people try to run live period events. But if I come to your live period and there's no college, no college coaches to be found, I'm probably like, I'm not going to come back. Right. So for me to be able to find talent and, and make sure there's talent that coaches want to see, that's been able to help me, you know, grow my events and always just doing whatever I said I'd do. Right. I think that's the big thing as far as, you know, being able to separate yourself. Yeah. Let me ask a question kind of off the cuff because it's a little bit related to, to me, so I'm curious what your answer will be. But um, playing football – and now evaluating basketball, was there any – did you have to fight a little uphill battle there for credibility, or did you really base it around, hey, I'm an athlete, you know, I can I can identify talent, you know the game? Um, I mean, I don't think so because if we pull the covers back, a lot of these dudes that evaluate never played in college, right? Like I had multiple <laughs> scholarship offers, right? Like yeah. I was a – you know, I, I was a star in high school, um, then I played in college. So a lot of these dudes, like, they, they didn't play football. They didn't play basketball. They didn't play anything. So right. it's like, are we really going to go there? We can't go there. You know, I mean, right. so it really wasn't an uphill battle for me. I think everybody just embraced it and was like, hey, you know, this dude's here to help the kids. Um, but like I say, with, with some dudes, I'm like, you, you never played anything. But so it's not really um, – it, it wasn't an uphill battle, I don't think. I think it was, you know, everybody kind of accepted it, and you know, it's, yeah. it's been cool. It's and been I think, cool. I think, Sean, one thing that you did coming in is that, to your point, what what separates you is that you keep your word. Right. Um, and I think that's where it starts, right? The reason why you got into it was to help give kids a voice, to help right. give kids an opportunity to educate parents, and that's what you stood on in two thousand and nine. Right. And eleven years later, you still have those core principles and I think that's what makes your I mean you got to think 2009 you were scrapping with letters and and 
and emails and right. mailing stuff out to run one event. And now you have over 10 national events, over five high level camps where kids can now come and grow and develop. And um, I was, I was at your event last weekend and one of the, John Stovall, one of the uh, top scouts in the country said, Hey man, this is the best event in 2020 so far. Now, granted, right. I mean, we are in a pandemic and <laughs> there's not a lot going right. on, right. Right. but um, at that event, you know, because everybody that starts, they think that you never run into any obstacles. It's like, you know, but you ran into some obstacles even at your last event. How do right. you overcome, you know, some of the, the things that are out of your control, right? Like some kid, you know, gets into some argument with a coach and a parent and right. all of a sudden the, all this melee happens. Like, how do you come back from that? Like, what do you do? Um, to counteract some of those things that might not go the way you want it to go in grassroots AAU basketball? Man, I, I, I'll say this. It's always, like, as, in, as a guy that runs an event operator, you're always going to be, uh, it's always going to be something that's going to come up. Like, the deal, everybody wanted to talk about the deal last weekend, you know, with Rock Hill. I guess I've been running events for a long time, and I've never had my event completely shut down. Right for something that, that that was out of my control, um, and the crazy thing was I, I asked the facility numerous times for uh, more security. Um, you know, I told them, "Hey, it's 150 teams here. It's gonna be some really hot teams. It's gonna be a lot of people who are just general basketball fans, right? Who are gonna come out." Um, so when the fight took place, everything um, pretty much got canceled. And they shut everything down. But you know, for me, just being able to communicate with uh, the coaches, the parents, the players, it was an unfortunate situation, but um, everybody understood. Like, you know, obviously people were mad, but they knew, like, I had nothing to do with shutting the event down. It was more so the city. <clears throat> um, actually, it was completely the city. So the support on social media was crazy. Like, you know, it was amazing. Um, so for me, it was just kind of, like I said, unfortunate situation, and I, all I could do is just, you know, send out information to communicate with people and let them know, you know, what happened. But, you know, I'll be back in 2021 and this time I'm, I'm bringing my own security, right? Like I, I don't have to depend on, I don't got to depend on the, 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 the facility getting me security. I'm going to bring my own people. Right. So, so that's, like, that's something that, that's something that you can give advice to that future event coordinator is that, Hey, learn from me. These are some things that, you know, you have to put in place in order to yeah. run. I mean, 150 teams, right? Like, that's right. crazy. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, for me, like, it's, it's still, like I said, I'm still learning, right? Like, year 11, I'm still learning. Like, this is something moving forward. I got to be able to add in the budget to um, go get, you know, security, right? And, like, when I'm in Atlanta, it's fine, but I was on the road a lot this year. So when I'm in Atlanta, it's different because I, I got everybody here. Like, I got all my security people here, right? But when I'm out of town, I didn't take them on a the roll just because I trusted what the venue said. Hey, whatever you need from a security standpoint, we'll get it. You just take care of the bill. Okay, cool, no problem. But when I asked for more security, it wasn't a big deal. So then when something broke out, like, don't try to point the finger at me. I had the emails. I asked numerous times, right? right? So, um. It's just, you know, you got to learn from it. And, like, you're never going to be 100% perfect. 
but you just got to keep pushing forward and, and, and trying to change to make your product better. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Um, well, there's an importance of like owning your own company. I'm sure you're very happy looking back 11 years, licking stamps and mailing envelopes. We're right. on 09. If you were to look ahead to the next 11 is you said this year, you kind of started getting on the road a little bit more. Is there a, I mean, is there a, is there a dream? Is there a platform that you kind of see as part of your, Hey man, I would, I would love to accomplish this in the next 10 or have my company look like this or represent um, this as it, as it grows. I mean, you got a great foundation already. You know what, you know, obviously the goal is, is to continue to, to help kids across the country to, to really grow, um, maybe move into, uh, you know, a couple, some new markets. Um, like I said, I was in the Carolinas a lot this year, which turned out to be really good. Um, last year I got into Florida some, and I did some stuff in Tennessee. So just still trying to push forward and being able to help as, as many kids as, I, you know, as, uh, as possible. Maybe if the if an NBA job um came about because I know like there are a lot of grassroots scouts who are now you know heading to the NBA. Obviously, you know Corey Evans um, announced his role with Oklahoma City this past weekend, and I saw Josh Garcon, um, who was with twenty four seven. He got hired with the Minnesota Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I think that happened maybe today or yesterday. So maybe that could be a goal in the end. But for me, it's still being able to help kids like I love the feeling of um being able to advise kids right like I think I get the biggest rush out of that so for me like a, a kid um Florida commit Kowasi Reeves Jr um you know me and his dad got really close when he was going in the ninth grade and um you know the kid was like really really good but you know it's always that pressure to be like hey I got you know you got to play on a you know shoe circuit team you're never going to be nationally ranked. Um, but his dad trusted what I said. He right. stayed. He played in my events. I still had those guys 24-7, rivals in ESPN. I, I had those guys, hey, they're going to come to – you know, they might go to Adidas, but they're going to come to my stuff. Or they might go to Nike, but they're also going to come to my stuff, right? Um, his dad trusted what I said, and now I think the, the latest rankings came out with rivals, and he's the number 32 player in the country, and he, he's, he's committed to go to Florida. So for me, I, I get a, I get a joy out of being able to to help a kid who's not known to see them go and, and turn into a four star or five star kid, right? Like to me, that's that's what it's about. That's Man, what I like. Sean, where where are we with youth basketball? Me and me and Jeff talk about this all the time about just blowing this whole thing up, right? If all three of us, right, could just whiteboard how youth basketball should look. I'm talking from the start of high school through AAU, like completely whiteboard youth basketball because we we all have been in it for, you know, a long time. And right. you're you're still in the you're still in it, like in it in it. Um and you see it all, right? You see the mess. Where where are we today? Um and where should we be going? Like what would you like to see changed? You know, I think one of the biggest things for me with, with guys that play basketball and I try to get parents advice, I think guys play a lot of games, right? Like, people play in a lot of tournaments, but I'm like, hey, 
when do you ever take the time to work on your skill set? You can't play every single weekend and then expect your son to get better, right? So, like, to me, that's one of the major concerns I have, especially, like, with young kids. Like, I talked to a parent earlier today just on text saying, like, you don't have to be so gun-ho on them playing, playing, playing every weekend. Sometimes you need to invest that money with a trainer, like a good trainer, right? Like, somebody actually knows what they're doing. Let them practice. Let them continue to work on their skill set. But at the same – like, don't don't rush the process. I think, you know, that's another thing that's wrong with, with grassroots, too, is – Sometimes um, there's a lot of pressure on these kids put out by trainers or parents or whatever the case may be, but everybody's journey is different. So just continue to trust the process and don't look at what the next person is doing. Don't look at the next man. Just worry about, you know, your journey, your son's journey, and, you know, let them figure it out, right? Because I think it's 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 a ton of issues, but to me those are probably the two um, – and I think lastly, I just love for people to sometimes, you know, like if you look at the transfer list, every year it grows, right? Every single year it grows, like 1,200 kids transfer. <clears throat> and I think a lot of that has to do with guys choosing the wrong, you know, wrong situations. Like they would rather go to sometimes handlers or whoever the case may be or rather push kids to the biggest school opposed to them going to the right school. Right. right, like, yeah, okay, you can go play in the SEC, but if you're playing two minutes a game, like, why can't you go to the OVC and, and really make an impact? Like, if you're good enough to go to the NBA, trust me, they're going to find you. Right. So yeah. I think it's, it's just it's, it's a ton of things. Like, we could sit here and we could talk all night <laughs> <laughs> about yes, what's wrong with grassroots, right? But um, to me, those are probably the three of the biggest things, in my opinion, that I, I would personally like to see change. Yeah. Something that um, always seemed to be a little bit of a challenge um, throughout the history of grassroots basketball was just the synergy between the scholastic coach and kind of the summer coach, right? Right. And this whole, hey, the summer coach isn't really a coach. They don't know anything about basketball. High school coach knows everything about basketball but doesn't really know how to develop or or really um, market their kids or get to help get their kids scholarships, work with the parents. So do you feel like that is still a, a kind of a divide or do you feel like there's a little bit more synergy between, Hey, I got this kid half the time. You got this kid at the time. Let's try and make the best opportunity for, for this kid and his family. You know what? It's, it's still a struggle, but when you see the, some of the national powerhouses, those guys get it, right? Like some of those people that you know, like in, in certain states, like this program repeatedly over and over and over again, they're always really good. I think those high school coaches, they get it, right? Like they understand. And, I, you know, I think they just got to be able to kind of work together. And now I think more than ever, not in Georgia, but like in, in other states, a lot of these AAU coaches are the high school coaches too, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of dudes that run these AAU programs are head coaches at certain high schools, and the majority of the kids that they have are going to be their AAU kids. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I think now, I thought maybe five or six years ago it used to be a really big issue, right, the battle between high school and AAU coaches. But I think now those dudes work together. Like, I think the high school coaches in the state of Georgia, 
those dudes are really proactive. They do a great job. I thought they did a phenomenal job with putting together um, the NCAA camp that was held last year. Like, no state in the country did a better job than what the guy, what the high school coaches did in Georgia. Those dudes did a phenomenal job, and they all get it. Like, they understand how important summer ball is, and they also know how important the ball is that happens between, you know, November and March. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, Sean, when you, when you look at the landscape of, you know, basketball, um, obviously you can speak very clear with to Georgia – you know, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, you got it right with Marcus Hunt and Brendan Green, at least, you know, with Brendan through college. And Marcus, I mean, what the right. heck, this guy, you know, out of that class at 2012 with Tony Parker, Evan Nolte, Robert, Cardi, Robert Carter, right. Marcus Hunt, um, Jordan Adams, Jordan Price, uh, and the list goes on. Jamal Reed. You, Marcus Hunt was one of the, what, two kids, him and Jordan Adams and to even step on the NBA court. So you you got it right there. You got it right. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna put you on the spot again. Who, who, who do we need to be on the lookout for? Who's up and coming? Who's, who's the next kid coming out of Georgia? Uh, or in our nationally, give me a kid out of Georgia and nationally that we should be on the lookout for that. You want to go ahead and, and uh, project. <laughs> You know, I'm, 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 a, I'm a Corey Reeves fan. I, I've seen um, the growth. I've seen the growth in this game. Um, I think he's a kid that when he goes to Florida, I think he'll be able to make a, an immediate impact just because of his ability to defend. He plays hard. I mean, he's a six seven shooter, right? Like you always need guys on the floor that can really, really make shots. Um, and I think he's a, you know, he's a kid that can make shots, you know? So, you know, I think he'll be, I think he'll be, you know, really good in college. And I'm looking forward to seeing him even, you know, I think Matthew Cleveland, he's another kid that came out of nowhere. I remember two years ago, uh, some guys called me like, why are you, why are you pushing this kid? We cut him from our AU team, right? Because I sent Alabama to go watch him two years ago. I was like, yo, look, this kid is going to be really, really good, right? Like he done got it figured out yet. And, you know, me and his dad built a really good relationship and I got him with a trainer. Then I got him uh, with some strength and conditioning people. He completely transformed his body. This year he played with the Atlanta Celtics. And, I mean, he shot up to I think he's maybe like the number 15 player in the country, right? So, wow. you know, well, for those got, guys he, he, last, got a good, he got a good last name. I mean, being that I'm from Cleveland, he got a good last <laughs> name. So, he was born to be no. successful. <laughs> Man, he, he – I mean, uh, he's, a, he's another kid that I think he'll, he'll get a chance to play early right away at Florida State um, due to his ability to really um, – defend um and he got a college ready body like you know he's ready to go right away wow so i think nice. you know he'll, he'll, he'll have a chance to be really really good nice i, I actually wrote the two names down because it's been a long time since i've really wanted right. to look up a name in that space so after 12 years i kind of divorced myself from the sport i needed a break Man, I've been coaching. Oh. Uh, I've been coaching fifth and sixth graders. My my kid, my my son, and my daughter. So I've been so out of this space. When I was with Sean and Chris uh, last weekend, I was just so shocked. I'm like, man, I, I do not miss this. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 it's, 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 I mean, it's a grind, man. It's it's different, right? All right, yeah. it's like a it's, it's it's a grind. You know, grassroots is a grind. grind, man. It is a grind, but I think it's um, it um. It requires, you know, good, good people. 
It yeah. requires authentic what? people. I mean, we always hear the stories about this guy, this handler, this family member, this whatever, but I think those are overshadowed by I mean this this wouldn't grassroots basketball wouldn't last this long and still be, you know, really valuable to not only the kids, but I, I think parents enjoy it too. You know, I think what? parents enjoy being able to travel, being able to see how their kid reacts in different situations against kids that they've never met, never seen, never heard of, you know, in different environments. Gym can be packed, gym might not be packed. You know, I think it's it's a platform that I've always felt prepares them for not only the next level in basketball, but just in life. Like, yeah, being, right. you know, I didn't, I didn't travel to stay in hotel rooms and all that type of stuff when I was 15, 16 years old. You know, right. I traveled maybe 40 minutes during the high school season. And the highlight was we got to stop at McDonald's on the way home. Right. You know, so I think it's, you know, I love that there's, there's um, still just an authentic core of people like yourself and stuff. Just, just still bringing the shedding the right light in that space. Right. Yeah. Well, Sean, I gotta I gotta take a jab at my uh, my guy. Right, here uh, it comes DeAndre here it comes. Archie. He does this every night, Sean. He does listen, this every man. Every DeAndre, podcast. he's got this last golden ticket question. It's like listen, Willie listen. Willie Wonka. Yeah, right, right. And DeAndre, DeAndre Archie, you know, he swear, he swear. We gonna get him on. I know he's gonna hear this. So. He swears, Sean, and even though I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, now I'm still repping Georgia basketball, right? Because that's where I cut my teeth. But he swears that Southern Cal has better basketball talent than the Metro Atlanta area. And this guy, he has no clue, right? So I mean, I like, would, but, but my thing is California's best player this year, right? Is a Georgia to him. kid. Brandon Boston. Talk Brandon Boston <laughs> was the best player in the state of California this year. Any, any from Georgia. Like, he grew up in Georgia. Transferred from Norcross to Sierra Canyon. No discussion. So, I don't even think that's relevant, right? Like, you can't let an outsider come in and be your best player in the state. Easy. Hands down. You hear that, DeAndre? One even close. One close. Best player is a Georgia boy. Right. So, you know, I think that conversation done. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Then, like, if you go through and look at some of the rankings, like, how is it possible for Georgia not even big, but there's 10, 11 kids in the top 100 from Georgia? California is a lot bigger state, right? But you don't have 11 kids in the top 100. So, That's... there you go. That's another one. And most of these kids are in Metro Atlanta. I mean, there's only one major, you know, city, and that's Atlanta. That's yeah. in Georgia. In California, you got you know, all these other major cities, right? So, well, he rep he's repping Southern Cal. So he, we try to, you know, narrow it down to just that geographical area, but hey, hey they still, they'll still get ran out the gym. Oh, without a doubt. Easy, easy. Sean, we're going to, we're going to have you on Sean when, uh, <laughs> when, he, when he comes on and lights more sub real quick. So you can, you can be in the, in the cheap seats and listen in. Cause I'm going to be sitting right next to you. You and I are going to be sharing a big gulp. As, as that, uh, no, I'm going to need Sean with me because he know the kids. I, I'm going to need to have Sean as backup because I, I mean, it's, he, it's he knows easy. all the Let's... kids. DeAndre still knows them too, so he's going to be lighting me up with kids. So I need Sean. It, it got to be – DeAndre can handle it. It'll be a two-on-one. Yeah. We'll get him. No, he'll, he'll, be, he'll be fine. Hey, Sean, <laughs> how – from my perspective, last 20 years spent 
you know, 12 of them in, in, in grassroots, 25 years, I guess. Did you feel that um, Atlanta kind of came on the scene around the Southern Kings, Georgia Stars, worldwide time frame? Or was there always the talent there, but the people just wanted to concentrate on the New Yorks, the LAs, the Chicagos, and Atlanta kind of had to fight harder, you know, like a Phoenix, a Seattle, you know, Man, you know South, what? It's, South it's, Florida. It's, it's funny that you say that. So I put together, um, I did, uh, I did a graphic, right? And it it it, it had program of the uh, what was it? Program of the decade, right? And I put the Atlanta Celtics on there, and I listed every single player that they've had. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and the crazy thing was that got so much feedback just from like nationally, right? Yeah, like yeah. everybody from New York to California came back, and I mean, like it was crazy, like comments on Twitter, like it went crazy. Um, but I think you know, like with the Celtics, like what they did, right? Like there's always been talent in Georgia. The Celtics, Georgia Stars, um, those those dudes have been around for a long time, yeah. right? Like, and they've been yeah. winning for a long time. Because you think so, the, I mean, the Celtics had uh, – were going way back to Deion Glover? Yeah. I mean – I mean, and the Stars had William Avery. So, you, you, you're talking about some history. Right. And right. Yeah, so, Morris, you – Morris, you know that I'm – I'm more like Atlanta – Chicago, Baltimore, DC. I'm not, you know, you market, you market, you spend marketing dollars in New York and LA. You don't spend grassroots basketball dollars in New York and LA. Yeah. So I think I think the I, I saw this uh and I would like to get your input on this, Sean. I saw this uh I think it was Bleach Reporter. Someone said the greatest AAU team in the history. And and granted, I somebody had to talk me off of this because when you talk about Kobe Bryant and that crew that they had in Philly, um, that team um, that they put together was was ridiculous. But when you look at Dwight Howard, Randolph Morris, Josh Smith, Javaris Crediton, Dwayne Day, Mike Mercer, um, <laughs> man, that 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 was a that was a squad. But I don't know. I think, I think they put them in number two. I think yeah, like that team two. from Philadelphia was one with Kobe. Um, right. I don't know who else was on that team. Tim Thomas. I, I can't recall who else was on that team. But I think that was the – Rip Hamilton. I think that was the, the best right. AAU team. That was a squad, too. No, nah, without a doubt. But, without a doubt. But we had your boy Corey give us um, his top five all-time. Now, are you, are you from Atlanta or are you from Alabama? No, I'm from Atlanta. You're from Atlanta? Okay. I know you said yeah. you went to UAB. Yeah. I mean, you don't go. You don't go to UAB unless you're from Alabama. I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, it was just I was so young then, man. I didn't know. Okay, so all right, so Corey actually gave us his starting five in the six man, um, and we're going to kind of put this up against DeAndre with Southern Cal, DC, uh, Chicago, New York. Um, Book actually gave us his 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 starting five in New York in a six man. Which was a squad. Right wow, now, that's... right now, I think his squad probably would beat everybody by thirty. But man, um, was... he had he had Rod Strickland, Kenny Anderson, Lou Alcindor, um, Bernard King, Kimball Walker, 
and I forget who his sixth person was, but whoever it was, it's, it's, it was somebody that that I thought was born in like Egypt, not New York. I mean, I what? didn't. I was. It, it was. It was like Lou Alcindor took me back, and then it was. He had another one. I was like, what? That person wasn't born there. Yeah, he right had there, all. He, he had all guards. But so, so Sean, yeah. you um. You and Corey actually will represent Atlanta together, but give us your starting five all time. I, I don't even know if I can do – man, you're going to have to let me gather my thoughts because – Okay, like, well, just, like, you, like, you can I, go I, new I school. You can just go new school then. Just go new school. From 2008 up then, you know, you could – Man. You throw Dwight on there, but – That's – that's you know what? See, that's another one I had – I wish I, you know, I wish we could. I, I could have sent you this information beforehand, right? So you can actually go see the comments because I did something. Um, I think it was like a what all decade team or something like that, right? Like, okay, I did something. What was it? Something basically from like the like the '90s, right? I think I started in like right. 1990, and I went. I mean, I got like once again, ton of people. Um, just gave me a lot of, lot of feed, like a lot of feedback. We'll put it in the show notes where people can go find it. Man, it's, it's, it's a lot of dudes that have come through Georgia who've been really good, right? Like really, yeah. really good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it's still tough. New school? Yeah, just give me new school. Corey went old school, so you got to go new school. What did Corey, what, what was his five? You got it. Corey had Dwight Howard, Sharif Abdul-Rahim. Mm-hmm. Um, he had uh, some Sp- Octavia Spain. Okay. He, he had – did he go Lou Will? Did he put Lou Will on the team? I think six. He kept him at six. Where, put, where else would you put Lou, Lou Will? Yeah, yeah. He had Lou on the team, and I think he had uh, some – I forget the, I forget the, uh, the sixth person, but it was – all of them were old school. So, if you go new school, if you go – See, I'm, I'm gonna tell you this more. I, I can't even speak on it, man, because it's I don't want to leave somebody off. <laughs> but I mean, just because, right? There's been a lot, of, a lot of good guys. Like you know, obviously, like Sharif Cooper had his run. Um, Anthony Edwards was really good. Colin Sexton was really good. Wendell right, Carter was really good, right? Um, who? Uh, I mean, no, you know what? I always say we talk high school. I don't think there's. I want. I would like to see a more decorated high school player than Tony Parker. Oh, okay. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, in high four, school. I'm four, like, championships. four championships. Four championships. USA basketball, gold medals, um, McDonald's All-American, you know, parade all yeah. like all this other stuff. Like, so there's been some really, really good guys over time. Um, so that's what makes it All you need to do is get a six-man. You got Sharif Cooper. You had Tony Robert Carter. Uh you had Anthony Edwards. I mean, that's a hell of a five. Colin Sexton. Like I said, Colin, Colin Sexton, really Sexton right. So, so um, Sexton, Sexton Cooper is your backcourt, and you got uh, you got Tony Parker, Robert Carter, and – I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. This is how good Georgia basketball is. The year when Colin Sexton went on a phenomenal run, right? Colin Sexton, Wendell Carter. They weren't even Mr. Georgia basketball. Mr. Ba- Mr. Georgia basketball was Chumo Okiki, um, who lately, you know, who went to play at Auburn, and now he got drafted by uh, Orlando, right? So, like, now he plays okay. in Orlando. So, then people were, like, probably like, who? You know what I mean? But Chumo Okiki was really good in high school, so he won Mr. Georgia basketball over Colin and Wendell. And I think at the time when um, he was given that award, people were like, why? How did he get it? You know, he went to Auburn for two years, and 
now he's, you know, with the magic. So that's your six so, man? Man, you put me on the spot. It's, it's, it's <laughs> tough. It's, 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 it's tough. It's tough, man. Well, we'll we'll put your boy on there from Florida. How about that? Oh, well, I mean, I mean, does Brandon Boston count? He from he from Georgia, even though he spent his last year in California. <laughs> but right, like he he he's a Georgia guy. True, true. Well, man, you know, Sean, it was a pleasure to have you. I know you out scouting, you on the road, you got to run. Uh, what what can we be looking out for you for? Do you have any more events coming up in this fall? Uh, where can where can people? What do people have to look for? For on the radar hoops, um, you can always follow me on social media, um, on Twitter and Instagram at onthradarhoops.com, or on the radar hoops uh, for Instagram and Twitter. But then you can also go to my website onthradarhoops.com. Uh, nice. So, you know, right now just trying to plan our stuff for 2021, and obviously, like in Georgia, we'll, you know, kids will be starting high school uh, basketball to start. I think November the 18th is the first day they can actually officially play games. So, you know, just trying to get ready for that stuff. Nice. And before we go, man, what's a, what's a good quote that you can leave the people with uh, that, you, that inspires you and keeps you going? Mm, I think it's, 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 it's one that we probably already we, – we've heard many times. Um, you know, what I try to tell kids and, and tell parents, it's not how you start, but it's how you finish, right? Um, and, and that's very true because, like, you know, we, we had a – like you asked me a question earlier – when do you start scouting kids? And what I always try to tell parents is every year, for me anyways, the best ninth grader won't be the best 10th grader. The best 10th yeah. grader won't be the best 11th grader, right? And probably the guy who was the best junior won't be the best senior. There's always somebody that's going to continue to work. So it's, it's not about, you know, you being the best 7th grader in the country. Nobody cares. Where are you going to be when it's your senior year? So – that's, you know, like I said, it's a quote that we've all heard many times, but I think that's, you know, it's, it's best. It ain't about how you start, it's about how you finish. So how are you going to finish, you know, how are you going to finish the process? Each and every one of you is important. We thank you for your time today and welcome your thoughts at any time. Are you better? Is your soul warmer than when you arrived? Let us know how you perceive the show and provide us with that five-star stamp, and next time bring your friends. The soul makes you go.